The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. Wilbur Curtis gives you some of the best batch brewers around. They're so consistent. They're insane. You can program them. Your coffee's going to taste better than it ever has. And if you don't want to deal with that, guess what? It comes pre-programmed, so don't even worry about it. Also, this family-owned company has gone full solar, full green, full awesome. You know what that means? That means the sun comes down. They get the power. The power powers the plant where they create the brewers, and those brewers come out to us ready to go. Have you ever heard of a seraphim? Not just an angel, folks. No, folks. That is a tasty, tasty brewer for by-the-cup coffee. Even the coffee nerds can get a nice little shower head, program that thing. You heard of the clover? This is the new new. Seraphim, angel, ring down, happy coffee. Everything is coming together for you. If you hit up Wilbur Curtis and my friend Brent Curtis, who I've seen, who has kids, have seen. Of course, I've seen him. He's a great guy. He helps us out all the time takes his kids to Disneyland we have the best time as well this family-owned company treats people right they do a great job they're becoming the premier place to get your coffee equipment for batch brewing do it to it and if you need a water boiler guess what they have that too okay bye-bye Rista. doing it our way Give us any chance, we'll take it. Give us any rooms, we'll pick We're gonna make our dreams come true. Doing it our way. Oh, man. Free my Frankenstein. That's, <laughs> that's straight out of Wayne's World. Almost verbatim, dude. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, dude. Hey, we missed you. Yeah, we continue to miss you. Sorry. <laughs> two, two weeks late and five bucks short that's the story of my life we're deep although you know how when you feel like you're behind and you can't get ahead check this out our homeboy bryson came in today to get coffee this man is a lawyer at google good you're man. listening to this what's up b Dude, Hi, you're bryson. super tight he comes in with like a handful of change it's like two dollars and 35 cents and is like Hey, man, I don't think I have enough money for coffee. You got me? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. So of course we got you. So, you know, if you're ever feeling <laughs> weird, just know that the lawyers at Google can't even buy themselves a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Could be worse. That's how you do it sometimes, dude. That guy probably makes at least 40K a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Google probably underpays their lawyers. He's probably on a, almost a living wage. Yeah, Guggenheim in San Jose. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. It's been a long time, but it hasn't been that long. It's been a while. Stain came in, played a couple songs for us. It came and got real. We, uh, we're very close to opening our second location, and time has been just flying. We're very deep and looking for human beings to work for us and developing all the systems necessary so that we can have a smooth transition into the second store and all of those things, believe it or not, along with finishing design and ordering all the gear have made it a little bit hard for us to stay up on the podcast because it's just Chris and I trying to do a podcast, which yeah, it's just, we're fixing it. We yeah, actually have systems in place. So we're actually shifting where the podcast lives. Thank goodness. Cause it's been on JT and I'm not that good at it. Let's be real. Well, here's a story, which is... Of a man named Brady. We were opening. So before we were open, we were doing all our web sales and roasting coffee and shipping. And I was kind of building out the web stuff. So Jared's like, dude, I'll do the podcast stuff. And yeah. And you do the web stuff and that'll be great. And then we'll have stuff to do. But now that we're open, he's got his hands full. And the podcast really fits under more of like the marketing umbrella. Yeah. So we're going to take it back. They're going to take the power back. And then probably Nick's going to be editing it and putting it up. And we'll just have to talk about it. Nick's a great guy. Which is neat. Yeah, and we're going to get him to, to line up a bunch of people to, for us to talk to. Which, by the way, there's some there's some cool people who wrote in um, who we're going to try to get on the show in the near future. Uh, but, again, we haven't put a ton of focus into finding people right now or, or even just executing on this thing because we need to set up infrastructure around to protect us. But we really love doing this podcast. And so for all y'all who listen... It truly is majorly appreciated, and we hope that we continue to bring you epic content. We're actually going to talk to some farmers from uh, Colombia here in the not-too-distant future. We just have to kind of align our schedules well enough to, to connect with them. That's the motto, dude. Colo. Colo. Yeah, dude. You guys know that one? That's the motto. Every day. Every day. Every day. 
The other thing is we were supposed to have our SCA presentations up, but the audio is definitely not ready. It seems like it's on a longer time frame. Yeah, they're calling out late July. So I think we haven't really talked about this, but what I want to do is just kind of do our next podcast and talk about our presentations and do our presentations. I kind of think we could fully pull it. I think so too, because my issue with people, I thought they were going to be recorded video, which it seems like they're not. And they're going to be released audio, but the presentations are built around the combination of, you know, talking points with a visual aid. Right. And I think listening to that is not as powerful as just like crafting a podcast to talk about that. Like having it be its own thing. We can probably, you know, illustrate some points better. Yeah. No, I think it could be really cool. Craft it verbally. So powerful. And then, yeah, for sure. I'm into it. We should definitely just crush those things out. I almost actually, if you weren't going to come over tonight, I was almost literally just going to go verbatim through my presentation and talk a little bit more about it. And then, uh, and then I was just going to post the PDF link and just let people fall through it. And I almost literally was going to be like Page. slide. Yeah. And then like, let them <laughs> click through slide. slide. It'd be kind of ridiculous. And I still might actually do that. And maybe it's like one of those old, like kids books. It's like you pop the tape and it's all follow along yeah. with us. And if you hear the chime, ding, Turn the page. I remember I had one about sharks. It was like Ocean Adventures. Oh, dude, my girl. Sharks. They love them. We have the Disney ones. It was and super sick. And I had a Batman one that was super tight. Oh, those are cool, dude. That was gangster. Wonder Woman coming out. Who? I can't wait to see Wonder Woman. Did you see Guardians gangsta. of the Galaxy Part Two? No, I want to see it. I talked to Alex about it. Yeah. Who is our wholesale slash wizard? Yeah. And he's a wizard. Harry. He's a wizard, Harry. He said it was even better than the first one, maybe, and that wow. I thought the first one was amazing, and I was scared that the second one was going to kind of be a letdown, but he said it was on point, so I really want to see it. That's pretty neat, actually. The first one had me, like, right from the get-go. I like the first The soundtrack one. was, like, insane. Yeah. Just proper it, like, brought the feels dude. in yeah, some weird way. Yeah, it was so good. Like, I really liked it. Soul, like, oldies, like, sick vibes, like... They did the classic Marvel Disney where Cut they like the bone, start dude. you immediately sad and then jump you into like a happy place where you're just like automatically and you're all this poor kid's mom just died of cancer. And I'm like, fuck it, dude. He's Star-Lord now. Exactly. <laughs> we're sky people now. <laughs> we're sky people, dude. Chris and I became sky people. We're and space now we're, people. We're taking, yeah. No, he's we're a space be, person. We're going to be space people. Hey, I'm actually sitting here with a huge <laughs> sack on Jesus. my sack. Did you all know that? Cheers. <laughs> I got a vasectomy today. <laughs> Hours ago. Yeah. Um, for the dudes out there, it's scarier thinking about it than it was hap- going through it. The aftermath, though, without the painkillers has its moments of pain. But they gave me some, some basically Vicodin and taking half of one of those really helps me feel like I didn't get kicked in the nuts for the last four hours. So He's wearing this sling thing. I have like to a for big, 10 like, days, dude. Thing and... He's like leaning back in his chair and he's just got this huge bulge. <laughs> it's and like random, s- randomly your hand like rests on it. I know. <laughs> just like out of habit. It's, it's not like, actually my like, wiener. What's happening right here? <laughs> this is different. Huge sack. It looks of pretty stuff. cool. Yeah. Tomorrow I get to take the gauze out for all y'all who cares. But on the real, they have to wear this weird support thing and tight yeah. briefs for 10 days. And you can't lift more than a gallon. I can't have more than 10 pounds in you my arms. can't have more than 10 pounds. Yeah, which is not very much. So like a gallon of milk is can't, like your max jump lift. on me. Can't, can't do any physical activity, workout related. I can't run, can't do anything for 10 days. It's going to mm. kind of be really weird. That's going to be the harder part. But the surgery, chill. 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 Little neater to the balls hurts less than you expect. So if you're just like bored on a Saturday <laughs> and you don't know what to do, just call up your local neighborhood yeah. doctor. Be like, hey, I was thinking about getting a little snip snip. Yeah. Trip trip. The, f- the weirdest part I've been telling, uh, I told my wife and I told Chris earlier, the weirdest part is that the nurse was like slightly <laughs> younger than me and a girl. And like, I mean, you guys might feel differently, but I felt a little weird having a girl that was like younger than me, literally cleaning off all the areas of my wiener. <laughs> well, I think anytime you're naked, that's people are, it's like, you're really vulnerable. Like so vulnerable. When I got in that surfing accident and oh, I yeah. like slammed into the rock. So like I went to the ER and there's this uh, two people like guys and girls like yeah. cutting the wetsuit off of me and I like literally can't move and they're just like taking cut and then I'm yeah. just standing there naked and like everyone's looking at you. Yeah. I'm just like, yep, yeah, I'm here naked. I'm in insane pain and yeah, it's cool. And at the end of the day, it's so weird because it's like, yeah, it's their job. They see it all the time. And then for me, I'm like, 
So like a 26 year old girl is just like wiping my wiener <laughs> and I'm behind a thing. So there's some realities for you. Ima- imagine though in the scope of her day. Oh yeah. I'm just like one it's, wiener it's of nothing. a million. Yeah. yeah. My mom's a nurse and yeah. it's just like, they see so much. Yeah. That's like the, probably the most normal thing she did all day. I got over it pretty quick. We I, must be good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I heard my girls crying in the background. I mean, it sounds like fun, whatever you went through. Uh, you know, yeah. It. Um, I took one for the team, and I'm going to be a sterile human male, and that's going to be just fine. But what do we got from today, Chris? I mean, we got some stuff. That's that's like the updates from our lives. I have a dog. She's very cute. She's sitting next to me, and Chris the, is having some Fernet, and I'm not allowed to drink because I'm on drugs. I've been having anxiety, so that's pretty cool. Me too, because yeah. we did too much stuff, and we have no life. I did a lot of things... We both did a lot of things and then I came home from SCA and I was just like, I was like, cool, I'll be able to relax. And then it was like, Woo! got worse. It got worse. Me too. It got super worse. And I was just like kind of panicky. And I think there's, I actually went to the doctor. Did you talk to him? I talked to him like last week and we talked about, you know, decompression issues and like how your immune system gets revved and like your, your mind gets revved and there's yeah. this big crazy release and it doesn't know what to do. Cause I had a bunch of things I wanted to do like personally right. that I hadn't been able to do. And mm. I couldn't like motivate myself to do them. And I felt like I was like ignoring stuff and it was pretty weird, man. So then you're in conflict all the time. Basically I was in conflict like. all the time. And so he helped. Did he help? Is he's good to talk to. Yeah. For so he sure. just like clarifies what's going on so you don't stress about it as much. Yeah. I have a really interesting relationship with my doctor for everybody that's listening. It's like we have a direct primary care thing. So I'll go in there and like every time I go to the doctor, I probably spend like an hour and a half there. Yeah. Um, but it's like really holistic care. Yeah. And he's I like cool. it. It's pretty rad. It's almost like built in therapy without actually being therapy. But yeah, I mean there's nothing wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. But we just well, talked it out I mean, for a while. Yeah, yeah. Physically. Yeah, stress like, is I don't something have wrong with a lot of people. Yeah, totally. It's a big deal. For sure. It's, it's worse than most things. And I was just like, uh, and then like the people and then the store and then just the whole thing. Yeah. It's and like, then when we got back, everybody, we kind of got sprung this whole thing. Like, by the way, the store is going to open June 2nd, which it's not. But June 2nd was like one month from us returning from this SCAA trade show that we've been putting a lot of time into. So that was a lot of pressure. I was like, okay, so right on. <laughs> Guess we're going to have to make this work. And yeah. then we're fortunate enough that it's delayed a bit, but yeah, it definitely added a lot Thanks of stress. Oh, yeah. It's very stressful. It's interesting to have the, the idea of having two locations, maybe three. Right. It's, we've been looking at roasting spaces. Yeah. So we've got some opportunities. Some potentially really special potentially opportunities Potentially really too. cool too early to say yeah but there's a lot of stuff going on and it's it's really you have to be like really really creative because you have to make sure that everybody feels good about it and right that the the people feel good about it and you really have to stick to your guns and know what you want out of your business and know what mm-hmm. you want and how your culture to be and how right it's a lot of like putting everything on the table and just like really having deep dive discussions yeah i think one of our strong suits and it's i'm like we have a lot of things that we're good at but one of our best things i think is being able to problem solve and be really creative with getting what we believe is important out of a situation in maybe ways that people wouldn't expect off the top or maybe like take some time to get to i feel like we've done a pretty good job so far with talking through those things and it's also like so you and i have known each other for so long yeah we can be on two totally different pages and talk to each other about it and right. like go through it and come out the other side. And then we haven't known Charles as long in the whole scheme of things, even though we have known him for like, you know, four or five years now. Right. But he's such a straight shooter yeah. that like he's so upfront, which is like, <laughs> there's never that feeling when we leave a meeting. It was like, did like, I leave, leave something anything? off the table totally. or like, am I not like, am I holding back or whatever? And I, we're pretty lucky actually in that way so far that it's been, we can easily pull that off. And I think a lot of places hold back a little bit at times. Well, don't go scary. Fully I mean, you're it. like really trying to like, like every move you make, it's just like, if you have something, right. so it's like this, we have this business, this coffee business, right? but this business is basically the culmination of like the last, like, you know, 
15, 20 years of our lives. Right. And it's something that's going to be like our livelihood for the rest of our life, basically. <laughs> totally. That's what we're looking at. Yeah. So every decision that you make, like there's a lot of weight on it. And it's like, yeah. you know, if you decide to open a new store or turn down a new store or go here or go there, it's like, it's almost like every time it's something like you're getting married again and you need to kind have of. those like hard conversations. It's like, okay, like what are we really doing here? What is the expectation? How does this fit into our plan? Like what is this going to look like in our lives? And like, are we just doing this because this is, or is this really the right thing? And like, 20 years are going to be like, actually, I, I fucking hate this and this is stupid and I didn't say anything and now I resent everybody around me and it's annoying. And as we grow, every time we make a decision, we've got more kids to bring along with us. Right. It affects more people every yep. time. So right now we're talking about store number two. So that affects the 13, 14 people that we have. When we make the move to store three, it's going to affect, you know, 26 people and then the roastery, 30 something people. We'll be up people. to like 50 people in no time. We'll have 50 people. and Which is amazing. Yeah, it's super But tight. a lot to consider. It's a lot. I think that I've been having a lot of the stress is that weight on me. Well, yeah, because we are responsible to help make people yeah, happy or not. I mean, or I can have success or not. Right. And it's just like, I can take care of myself. I'm going to be fine. Right. You know what I mean? In the sense of like, if there's a problem, I can figure it out, do whatever. But like when you're moving around more than yourself, it's like, you know what I mean? It's like a different kind of family. You've got like your family family and this is also your family and that you're basically responsible for their well-being. You can make their life awesome or you can absolutely like ruin their life. No pressure. No pressure. Business owners out there, no pressure. It's pretty cool. It's no big deal. It's pretty easy. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. (laughs) But it is, uh, I think it's totally worth it. And I'm I'm excited that some of this stuff is happening relatively fast. Because I love to get a bit of it done and just like sit on it and really just like refine everything. Also, it arguably in a good way, I think, gets people to the level where they can start having maybe like a little bit more of a salary and more leadership and more assistance and gets them closer to be able to align with us. And like we get a little support group around us to feed into them to feed everybody else and i get excited about that yeah it opens opportunity for sure and it forces things to be streamlined that may have not otherwise been streamlined so it's like you can run a cafe with some owners and do like a mediocre job of developing systems and a mediocre job of putting things into play and it can still be like fine but when you're like okay we need to bring this to two stores we need to bring this to three stores we need to bring this off site it's like yep yeah nothing can happen by chance nothing can be left up to like oh it's probably fine like everything needs to be just clear super super dialed and that's what we've been living with in the roastery like as soon as the idea of moving the roastery off-site it's like okay that's a whole different set of challenges uh-huh. that means there's a crew off-site that means a little bit of a potential disconnect so that's one yeah. thing to fix but then it also means just like being as efficient as you can be maximizing everything and figuring out how to be a part of the culture when you're not in the only store that's there right now. I'm pretty sure based on the, uh, the slogan, it's food max to Take maximize max. shopping power food max. But it's cool. We've been writing modules all week. We're doing retraining next week in the roastery, which is going to be amazingly fun. We got a whole new binder put together. We got all kinds of wicked checklists and things and it's not like the biggest departure from what we've been doing but it's just tight focus you know what i mean yeah tight it's focus it's got the hustle built in it's got like the things that we believe in as a company built into it so there's no question as to what's going on love that and it's psyched it's just amping and then with that we like clean the whole thing i don't know i was like in there really late today just like cleaning everything and building weird shelves and you're feeling psyched yeah, I was just like feeling like what I'm it's been a stressor because it's like our space is so small in there. So small, everyone. And it's in trying to figure out, okay, how do we optimize the space while also having it be workable is like a whole weird puzzle. Yeah, is it move the roaster and whole beans outside? So I'm just like, <laughs> look at as many Japanese like places as I can. Yeah. And they do like a lot with a little and yeah. then figure out, okay, like how does this work? Efficiency <laughs> strong. Yeah. So we replaced our roaster with a vending machine and it just vends <laughs> out coffee. 
<laughs> then we have a spinning uh, sushi delivery system that actually just brings the coffee around. Yeah, and it's pretty chill. And <laughs> <laughs> it's no big deal. We're conveyor belt people now, working with Jeppy. We're conveyor belt people. Shout out to Jeppy, dude. Jeppy. He's a good gentleman. He is a good a gentleman. Yeah, that's an update. That's a that's a big old Yeah, it's a huge update. Honking update. I mean I like that update. We also haven't really even talked at all since we got back from SCA because I posted the the <laughs> I posted the podcast where that we were supposed to post when we were at SCA. So we <laughs> haven't been on the mic for a hot minute. But I just have to say thank you so much to all the people who did come out to both Chris and I's lectures. It was really cool to feel supported and uh, I really hope they're helpful in some way, shape, or form, which I, I believe they were, and that was really fun to do. It was really intimidating for both of us, and then it turned out to be really fun. So thank you again to all y'all who came and all the people who high-fived us like a million times throughout that trade show walkabout. Shout-out to Kyle Ramage for the W. You know, all that stuff. It was hey, cool Ram. to see everybody. It was really cool to see everybody. Internet oh, I guess we actually got to say finish. hi to people a little. We talked to Taylor Gresham since we've been back, haven't we? Yeah, that seems like it was like a year ago. Gosh, dude, the time is flying and staying still at the same time. It's so weird. We read that crazy Pete Licata article. Yeah, today I, I really like the way Pete is so analytical, and like because I know Pete, whether or not you agree with the things he said, he's so not malicious in his statements at all. He like wants the best pete fucking hates everybody even <laughs> you if you're listening right now yeah pete definitely doesn't like you yeah yeah um, pete's super mean guys <laughs> pete is really angry and you know he runs around with holly a lot and holly is equally angry <laughs> just like two of the most angry people i know when i see him i go the other direction oh dude every time i had so much fun with him in australia um <laughs> pete if you don't know who pete is is just a world barista champion kind yeah. of guy Two-time back-to-back USBC champion, second in the world the one year, and then first in the world the next year. So he knows what he's talking about in these presentations of in USBCs and WBCs. It's cool to hear. So he wrote an article in, or a blog, and it's on the Lakata, Lakata Coffee Consultants website in the blog, and it's about barista competitions. And the title of the blog is Barista Competition Needs a Refresh. And... I agree, <laughs> but also I, it was cool to have him write about it because he's someone so who's it. just like, it's so easy for people to complain about a system that they don't understand or complain about a system that they're not involved with. But this guy has been judging for as long as I have known him forever so he's been judging you know the usbc he's a world barista champion multiple time usbc finalist this guy's like it's about as legit as it can get aka too legit to quit so all i mean really is he the best competitor there ever was in this thing like on paper man. probably literally yes on right paper let's see we got phillips did well phillips was a two-time winner heather perry was a two-time u.s winner phillips also won the worlds, uh-huh. so that's like that level. So on that level, they're equal. So on I that just think Lakata's got more local tr- or uh, regional and USBC finals trophies, I bet, than most anybody, and wins, I should say. He probably does. In that, I remember the first time I was ever in the USBC finals was in two thousand and eight, and he was podium that year. He was like top three. Yeah, he's been. And pretty I was hot. like fourth, and I was like, that's right, was back in the yeah, day. and he that was, was another one, right? And I think he was crushing it even before then. Yeah, because he'd been in it longer than I had. Yeah, he knows how to get the points. So he's probably got, he's probably got quite a few, quite a few trophies. Anyway, this, you know, just just saying, he just does I'm, it I'm more just claiming, to. yeah, because I for some reason have this affinity for that guy. Um, he trained me. That's why when I won, he trained me and he gave me a lot of insight. <laughs> he's a good guy. I, I remember cause I'm really skeptical of people before I know them. Oh, totally. And well, and he's intimidating if you don't talk to him. I literally thought he was like fucking with me all the time. Cause I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what is this guy's deal? Dude? Like what is <laughs> the best <laughs> what is part he doing? But then, so he came, you know, to train and then he was kind of working with you. We were both competing and mm-hmm. then you went to lunch or whatever. And yeah. then it was just the two of us in the training lab and we just kind of stared at each other for 30 seconds. And we're <laughs> like, 
so like let's work on some stuff I yeah dude. <laughs> he's all i got talking. you dude yeah it was cool and then from that day on i was like oh you, i totally misunderstood you you're super tight super tight he's just like an inquisitive guy yeah it's all always genuine. come over get espresso like think about it and i'm like why are you trying to just fuck with me, dude? But he's like literally just wants to drink good espresso and <laughs> he's just curious. So that's cool. So he wrote a blog. He wrote a blog. Really good one. He wrote a blog and it points out some some other things that he think are he thinks are problems with the USBC slash competition format. And I think it's fun to run through them. So yeah, let's run through them. The first thing he says is number one, the stakes are getting higher, but the game is the same. Right. So you can get a lot when you win travel, Mm -hmm. endorsement opportunities, you know, machinery, grinders, the whole thing. Right. Um, Which is awesome. But that is, you know, that is in contrast. And this ties into a couple different things. Right. He references, you know, the judges in multiple ways, obviously, because he's been a judge for a bunch of times. But it's like. I'm stepping outside of Pete's blog right now. I'm yeah, yeah, step out. Go you got to think. This is like the, I think the biggest problem with the barista competitions now are that the judges are not compensated for their work. Right. And there's absolutely no way to have anything close to a legitimate competition without having bona fide, legit professional judges. I mean, if they pay referees, they could pay judges. I'm not saying this to like slight the SCA or you know the format I mean, it's kind of a facts is facts sort of thing because I know it's challenging yeah so I'm not saying that like you're an asshole or anything I'm just saying that like if you want to make it real you have to have a real cast of judges and the only way to do that to ensure that people are on point is to pay them for their work and expect high things from them because right now they're expecting like a bunch from judges but they're not giving them anything it's right. like hey good work nice job Totally. When in the real world, it's like they have jobs. This is an aside thing from major them. sacrifice, major sacrifice. So we were talking about this this morning. Mm-hmm. I think a solution could be certain people who are work for the SCA should be required trained and required to judge some of the big wigs as part of their being maybe on the board of directors or whatever high level positions. Are yeah. There. It's like, Hey, you're going to spend X amount of time judging. Ensuring this is a really prestigious competition. And make the competition legit. Yeah. I mean, one of the things Pete does say in here, which is interesting, and I believe has definitely shown itself to be true at times, is uh, he says something to the effect of when the competitors become more knowledgeable on rules and expectations than some of the judges, it can open doors for some of the problems. And that is like so real. All the head judges, they're going to know it all but they're still not the only people judging anybody in these competitions. And that's hardcore. That's if a they valid even know it all. If and they even know it true. all. That's And they don't have to know it all. And it's, if you've been a competitor and let's say you've competed for three seasons and someone comes in and does two seasons and then all of a sudden as a judge and they're judging the USBC right. and you're presenting to them and you're thinking like, I know more than all of you. Oh, it's so hard. About the format about coffee about whatever it's just like a weird yeah it's an interesting situation well and i can see from pete's perspective he didn't like pride himself but like he studied those rules inside and out to the point where they're fully memorized because in order to win you're supposed to know the rules and know exactly how to get all the points and he does so i can see for him being like seeing some missed opportunities where he he would probably be able to accurately say, actually, I did, we deserve points here, but we didn't get them, and it's too late. There's no like addendums. Once the points are cast, the points are cast, which is also an interesting thing. There should be a way to like, a, I don't know, amend points in some way, shape, or form, or like have some sort of like secondary judge's critique based on that's gnarly. But I mean, if it's professional, <laughs> it's also professional, right? You should be able to get full accurate points. Yeah, it's got to be somehow. Pro. How do we get more money in this thing? Let us know what you think. We want to know. Do how do we get more money? How in do this we thing? generate more revenue? Obviously, there's sponsorship, but I, I think there needs to be a next level. If uh, anyone's going to take this seriously, of like some sort of revenue generation, 
and I mean, it's like, okay, here's another problem that people are running into. Not people are running into. This is an issue that I have, even right. though like I loved at one time race competitions. It's like, let's say you have a sporting event that's professional, right? You have athletes, you have referees and or judges or whatever you want to call them. It's best in show too. Hey, whatever. And then Great on dogs. the spectators ends of thing, you have cost per entry. Yeah. So if you I go to that too, tickets, if, if you go to a basketball game, you're buying tickets. Shit. Nope. Even if you're going to like a high school wrestling match, you're paying, you're five paying bucks for tickets. In. You know what I mean? Like these things make money. You don't have to pay to get into the USBC. You don't even have to buy an expo pass sometimes for, you can get interesting a, or you can get in. I mean, it used to be free. I don't know if it still is. It, it, actually, it wasn't this year. It wasn't yeah, this year, you're right? totally right. It wasn't this year. Well, that's the beginning. But, but I'm wondering if there's the like some sort of extra. Well, how does those funds get divvied up? I wonder. Because you're basically paying for an expo pass, right? But you're not paying for a exactly. specific like barista pass, which, okay, maybe that sounds ridiculous. Like, I'm going on. Or does it? I'm going on a full blown tangent, which is like coffee is at a huge disadvantage here because watching a barista competition isn't really exciting at all. Like, it's not a spectator sport, it doesn't really have any wow factor value. There's the value and the wow factor of like I'm watching someone I know or that was like a really cool idea. But in terms of like getting your adrenaline hyped and being like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Don't. It's just it's just not there. Yeah, I actually think maybe I was talking with um, a girl named Kendall today who's an awesome trainer actually over at Verve. We were talking about maybe the one of the best values for people is seeing the application of the technical skills that we use on the bar all the time and being like, well, this is where you're supposed, this is where this kind of comes from in a way, right? Here's the application of all these things we do and like how it scores points and blah, blah. it's like an application other than like, we just do it to clean stuff. But other than that, like, I, mean, I don't it's, know. It's infinitely more exciting for me to watch someone actually work bar and talk to human beings at a pace. Yeah. I mean, even if they're not talking to human beings, just watching someone actually control workflow and doing it for a period of time in real life, dealing with like real challenges. Right. And it's, it's just like you sign up for a barista competition. You kind of know what you're getting into, right? You know exactly what you're going to serve. Right. You know how it's going to come when you're on bar. Like you don't really know what's coming at you. You know how to manipulate your ingredients, but you don't know what the orders are going to be. You don't know what order they're going to be in right you don't know when the line's going to come you don't know when it's not going to come you don't know when the problem customers are going to come in you don't know when it's going to be no it, it gets weird dude right the Real ABC. World. and in my mind it's like the mark of someone who's a really awesome barista really awesome coffee professional is being to, able to navigate that oh for sure day in and day out and while producing like, quality you could teach anybody to do the stuff that people do on the competition stage and that's not a diss to people who no, work that's hard. Just the hard it's just truth yeah it's true what was that thing that was like the um it was that like little fake it till you make it show or it was a show where they took um a professional at something and they took someone who had no knowledge of it prior and oh, trained yeah. them in like a, a really short time frame yeah. to all these different things. They did one with a barista competition. Did they really? Yeah. Put him up against, I think it was like the Canadian barista champion at the time. Pits or whatever. Nobody could tell, <laughs> which is, well, I mean, which is what you have. That's a bummer is what that is. But in it's, I don't know if Pete makes this point specifically so interesting maybe in number five where he says the simple skill of a working barista is being ignored is that the competition doesn't now never actually has like catered to the working barista people who actually work as a barista i think are at a pretty big disadvantage oh they for sure are compared to people who can just set aside banks of time to train I mean, the format's just wrong. If you just look for the most part, I mean, the people who are winning and doing the best are the ones, I guess, Luanton's making coffee all the time in this case, right? Andrea's probably making coffee if some of the time, but she's an owner. She's probably mixing it up. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's always been pretty heavy on the people who... I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, the, sorry. I the common, no, the common barista is just not ever going to be... The champion. We have a barista. Let's say, I don't know, take any of them, like Kaylee or something yeah. like that. Kaylee. 
Kaylee, who's been a barista for how? Steph. She, oh, yeah, Steph. Okay, they work bar every day. They don't have any special training. In my mind, if the format were better, I don't have the answer to the format, but they should have just as big a chance of winning the USBC as someone, I don't know, like Lem or someone like who? Are you saying in terms of their ability to execute? I'm saying that you shouldn't. If the competition can represent what a barista does on a daily basis, you shouldn't actually need to set aside special time totally. to train. Your work on bar should be that training. Right. That's not the case. Right. That is true. There's and skill crossover. Right. But it's not. And maybe that's not the intention of the format, I guess. No, it, but it's it was, interesting. You know what I mean? Well, because it segues into the next part, right? It's like um knowing your cop the geisha competition he he makes you know kind of the he kind of gives a little nudge at the geisha competition both in brewers cup and now it's translating into the breeze competition the top top three all geishas top six at worlds or whatever last year all geisha or yeah all geishas right something ridiculous like that maybe all seven and we already talked about this in the past episode but that makes for a boring competition as well to me and it also makes for a competition that is not necessarily an, a common reaching attainable goal for a normal barista you literally have to work for a really rich company to and even if to even do if that. you do those companies that bring in that coffee they're not serving it on the daily that's the thing you're not, not your running, whole staff's not running like, that even if you are a baller it's like a very small occasion can you get that almost never as espresso it may be for like 13 bucks a cup brewed sometimes as espresso in like a triple vortex world. But it's like, also I feel like we should have a score sheet that celebrates like a variety of coffees. That's a good point because coffee, like the beautiful thing about coffee is its diversity is its complexity. It's like, we've got all these different origins and I, I like them all. I like, I really do like there's good examples from every one. And I don't think that like the best geisha is like, better than like the best bourbon dude there should be like <laughs> handicaps on certain coffees where you like get or like uh reverse handicap so if it's a geisha you like automatically get a subtract like one or something ridiculous that'd be sick and they just like open it up in that way right and then if you use a brazilian coffee you get a plus three because they're like typically not that you know not known for their complexity and insanity in a breeze competition I don't know. Just you know, yeah, what I'm saying? Like, that's a that's, that's an, an idea. interesting idea. That's a that's a good idea. Stony it's also one. still rewarding or like pro- pushing the idea that this coffee's better. And I know some coffees are better. I just like. I almost wonder if there should be, some sort of regulation on what you can use, and it needs to be verified. In yeah, the that'd sense, be great. In the sense of where it's like, if you're in, let's say, auto racing or something, like, you have to like you there's restrictions on the type of motors that you can build right so that like the cars that are racing against each other you're not really seeing who has the best car or the most money to the whole extent you're trying to figure out like who the best driver is right not who like has two million more bucks than the other guy and like i have a thousand horsepower and he has 500 like it doesn't matter how good of a driver he is he's not going to win interesting you know what i'm saying totally so it's like who's the richest (laughs) That is the sad part. Which is who's uh, the richest and who's got the most ability to have training time and coaching. Right. Typically. Who, who's got the most money and the most free time. And you most likely will win or be do very well if you have all those things. That's hardcore. And it's, it's true. Well, contextually and historically, it's so far it's been pretty pretty true and consistent. I think so. Yeah. I mean, more often than not, I'd say the percentages are in our More favor. often than not, the people that have won the U.S., at least, I don't know about the other countries because I don't follow them as closely, have not been working baristas, at least at the time of their winning. Right. They and probably were take, at yeah. one point. I know it's hard work. It's just like... Yeah, and that's not to take away those who do study the score sheets and get the points. Like, you know, there's, there's definitely reasons... The people won. But Full it, disclosure, I'm a huge advocate for the underdog in almost every situation. Oh, for sure. Me too. I like them scrappy and like that's kind of where we come from. We both came from like no money, poor parents, bankruptcy and shiz. And just like when we first started doing the competition coffee thing, it was just kind of like all on us. Like, here you go. Like, have a good time. Like, I don't fucking know. Right. Figure it out. And 
we're looking at like really big companies and they got like crates getting delivered to the thing and they got their own grinders and you're like, how do you get your own grinder? Right. And we never had like 18 bags of coffee, all different kinds. And they get to like try it all out. Agtron scores on it. And we're like, we have one bag of coffee and it is what it is. And this is what's going down. Yeah, totally. And And I, I like feeling like that kind of person should be able to like throw bows with the big dogs based on just like bar skill. Yeah, and I also just, like, as a person, like, can sit in those people, like, how we were. And, I mean, how we would be now. We don't have a ton of coffee to be able to do millions of different roast styles, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, put yourself in the shoes of the person who just wants to do a good job and then stands next to the person who's got, like, insane amounts of monetary support and, like, multiple different coffees to use. And how kind of discouraging it could feel to just be like right next to them be like, man, I just really want to do a good job. And I thought I had a chance, but I'm standing next to this person who's just like, for all intents and purposes, I don't mean rich monetarily, but like rich in this industry. They have so many resources to use. How am I ever going to hold a candle to this person? And so for people who, and I'm not saying Josh Taves isn't good, but when I see Josh Taves make the finals, I know that he has been working really hard and he doesn't have the insane amount of resources typically that in the past as well that some of these other people have had and they don't have a coaching staff around them all the time just like focusing on everything and it is good i understand that's what people do right that's what boxing champions do that's what mma fighters do they have a crew around them but they're still in some ways like a relatively level playing field and in mma you just fight each other (laughs) yeah but even in like mixed martial arts or boxing or any of those things like there's other there's weight classes. Yeah, so you know what that I mean. Too. Like still, the two hundred pound try. guy is not going up against a hundred and forty pound dude. Right, and we're kind of saying because they know that like that guy just doesn't. <laughs> we talked about classes before. Like we should going, do this again. Yeah, we did talk about this, didn't we? Was well, that on the some, podcast, somebody or was else that just I think like a weird idea. Out there? I don't know, but I mean, it's been so long at this point that it's definitely worth revisiting. I think that's a freaking fantastic idea to set aside, almost like. Maybe based on the amount of times you competed, like if you've done it more than two times, you actually go to a different class than the people who have competed less. It's like the one to twos. And then if you're over two, it's like a two to four. And then if there's more, then you're like, then you should be competing against only people who have been in it for that long. A circuit would be tight. Circuits would be sick. Like different events, like different events that and different competitions throughout the year that all cater towards different things. They all have like a little bit of a different format and it's not all about it. It's all runs into the money problem again. Uh huh. So I understand that I'm just freaking brainstorming here. Who's the billionaire who just needs a huge tax write off of funding this thing. Let's take this shit to shark tank, dude. We're going <laughs> to shark these motherfuckers out. dude. Let's get them. We'll get my boy. Uh, Cuban. Exactly. Cuban. You already invent. You're in Misto Box. Come on, Cuban. Player. You like coffee, dude. I know what you do, dude. Yeah, dude. I know what you. Where do. Where you at? Oh, you can't lose one million dollars a year because of the other hundreds of millions of dollars you're making. <laughs> How many millions do you need, QB? On the flip side, here's here, we need a million. <laughs> on the flip side, if anybody else has a million, so here's here's like a vote for the for the opposite way. Okay. So let's assume. I don't even know if this is the case. Let's assume that the goal of the barista competition is to find the perfect ambassador for specialty coffee for that particular nation. Okay. Right? Maybe the people with more money and more free time could actually be better ambassadors because they have more time to like develop that relationship, connect with people outside of their immediate sphere to whereas if you're a production barista and your nine to five is I come to work, clock in, go home. And then I work my other job because I got to pay rent or whatever. You know, you have a little less flexibility in your schedule. Maybe that's the case, but that might not be true because with the web and social, everybody has so much connectivity and like a lot of possible reach. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I get it. I don't actually get believe that. I just don't want to bag on the people with money all the time. No. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I get that. You know what We're I'm trying saying? to be equal opportunity lenders. Well, in the same, it's just like the people that do well, it's not like they didn't work hard. I'm not trying to marginalize anyone's hard work. Right. 
I mean, no, no, no. There, I don't think there's any question that there's a ton, so much hard work that goes into this and so much thought and care that goes into this. I don't think... I'm not throwing shade at them. I'm throwing shade at the game. Like, the game rewards a certain thing, and that's, like, kind of a bummer to me. Yeah, because, I mean, I can totally understand that the people who, with all the best intentions of the world, put their heart and soul into this, and they're still, like, you know, hearing us tell them they're falling short. And that, I think you deserve tons of credit for the work you've put into it. Scott Connery, you know, all those, all the squad. You know, we talked to Scott at the end, and he was talking about all the things that have changed and I fully agree in a positive way. Like a lot of things have changed for the better, but how can we continue to move this thing forward and make it more interesting? I guess there were a lot of people watching the, the USBC this year. There's again. a lot of people that watch it. So There's maybe it's just always like, always a lot of people that watch it. Sometimes I'm like, what is it doing? Yeah. It's and maybe so you and insular, I have just outgrown I feel it. Like, yeah. Not outgrown it. That's the wrong word. But maybe we've just like lost our interest in it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I There's mean, like a little have. bit of like done that and I don't want to do it again because of a number of reasons. Simple process of like you've done it before. So you don't want to be stagnant doing the same thing over and over again. Right. Yeah. And we're. Yeah. yeah. So. I, but I almost think it's like. I, I just know. love competition, though, too. I do, too in general so i like i have a little bit of animosity at the idea that i can't i guess i can't tune into something that i once loved and be entertained by it like i can still even though i lost tv lost tv i didn't i haven't had tv where i can watch sports right since i basically moved to santa cruz yet i grew up loving and playing basketball and i can still turn it on and get so into it because sure it's an entertaining sport and a lot of people don't like basketball but how can we make this thing entertaining for somebody to just get sucked right into it? How, where's the drama? I think it has to have for me, like wild cards, strange situations that yeah, you right? don't know that are going to That's happen, the stuff. which all comes back to like the actual skill of being a barista. And it's like, my biggest problem with the competition or the biggest thing that makes it really boring to me is that, the a couple of weeks ago, I watched like amazing performances, the USBC, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I've seen all these before. That's the worst part for and me. I was too. like, have I seen this before? It's like, unfortunately, yes, you have. Pretty much, and it's not, and it's just because of this is what the format rewards. So it's like, if the format is like this, so this is what you do, and yeah, that the average level of all of the competitors super high goes up and continues to go up, and yeah. that top. You know, six specifically is like super tight and even the like the bottom, like lowest scoring competitor is like 10 times as good as they were like multiple years ago. Right. The performances are basically the same. That's the hard part. Even with the rule changes, I'm like watching people and I'm just like, cool, that's sick. Yeah. Cool. That's this. Yeah. Still the same thing. Same shoes. I know what's coming next. Espresso, a milk drink and then a cig drink. (sighs) And then you have some like twist on it that makes it special to you. And it's like, sometimes that resonates with me and sometimes it doesn't, but it's like, I mean, it's a formula. Okay. So what are some of the twists? There's the easy twists of like, okay, everybody knows there's five coffees that are going to be potentially used in the barista competition. You may get one of these five coffees and you won't know until like an hour before your performance. Awesome. That's one thing. Well, I mean, what's another one? Maybe the signature drink ingredients get chosen for you at random and you have to come up with them on the fly and we give people like two, two to five more minutes to figure out a signature beverage. That'd be rad. I'd love to see some like on the fly stuff, like legit, like, I don't know, stuff that like people who cook food would do. Right. It's like if you have something and maybe, you know, Iron Chef is corny now. Right. But like the idea but it's of still not. Yeah. But, but yeah, you know what I mean? People are like, oh, it's not about that. It's about like chef's table or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? But oh, it's just like, man, I think it's kind of neat to see someone who has like a mastery over the ingredients that they use and their preparation technique. And they can execute that on like a bunch of different levels and like showing some kind of creativity and some sort of live kitchen setting to whereas like Ooh. 
to that's do a cool well idea. in like a barista competition, you're not really showing that flexibility, creativity, or on the fly stuff. Like you have to dial in. What and about like your grinders Iron different Chef. than the other oh. one? You know what I'm saying? No, but what about Iron Chef barista style? What if there's two baristas going at the same time, serving the same judges with the same coffee, and just like an open, uh, open amount of ingredients in the center that they can use for their signature beverages and the whole thing? And then it actually becomes like a real live competition, two at once, putting stuff together. That'd be kind and of then gangster, they get dude. to serve everything at the or however it works, right? Per they like bust out their thing, stops. They serve their espressos. They talk about them, and they go straight back and bust into their next next or however that works. You know? What yeah. I'm saying? That could be really. I would be entertained. And it would kind of do the same thing they're doing as is anyway. What if you had a squad like you're working in a cafe and, you know, they instead of the ingredient, there's like the ingredients that you would use for a SIG drink. But there's also like four or five different coffees and you've got you and you're kind of like whatever would be your sous chefs. Yes. And like we're on a team together and I'm like, OK, cool. Like sick. Jared, set up a cupping and like the like. The head barista like is going to like start to make some espresso, but then someone else is taking like four coffees and doing like a really quick cupping and tasting them and saying like, okay, how's this going to work? Like, are we going to blend some of these together? Are we going to put these with this? And then like someone else is working on like ingredient preparation and it's like, okay, we have these five things. This is brainstorm. How I think it's going to work. Like you're going to start making this little steep concoction. I don't know, dude, you know, it's just action, bro. You could do. So they actually had us when we went to origin for our, when we won our barista competition, they had us do like a little mini deal sort of like that. And we didn't know what the coffee was. Right. But they had five coffees and we had to cup them and decide what coffee or coffees we were going to use for our barista competition. So that was the first part, right? We cup them all, select them. And then the next part was, I can't remember what, and then the third part was actually giving a little barista presentation competition with that coffee and like a really fast dial in. And I would, that would be really interesting. That'd be sick. I would love to see the head to head, like two competitors mic'd up on stage at the same time and just watch like how it works because it adds intensity. Yeah. It adds like, you know, you get that little bit of like even more butterflies oh, you that you so get from nervous. like a latte art smackdown so kind of good. thing because there's like someone else. It's just like, ooh, yeah, right there. It makes it way more interesting to watch. Yeah, you could even add points. Like if it was if it was fully blind and you had to select your coffee, you could add like major bonuses for those who like blindly cupped it correctly and called out like a region. You know, and they're like, yeah, we're serving you what we think is this Kenyan coffee. You know, it doesn't even have to become about the region so much until after the fact, and then you can still showcase give cred to these amazing farmers and growers, pickers, roasters. Anyway, that's really interesting because people could then pick their style of coffee as well. You could have a, a gamut of different styles from different roasters that are all acclaim available. It would be cool too to see, you know, how you as a chef would create a food dish with a style like you're talking about, like yeah. with an intention to be able to take that two espresso, two brewed coffee and maybe like, okay, this coffee, I'm like going a whole different direction with it. This is maybe like a more traditional coffee. I'm pulling it short. It's going to be really caramely. It's going to be really chocolatey. I'm putting it with this and then as this part of the tasting flight and this is what it does and you hit all your calls. Right. And maybe it's not like the classic score sheet type espresso. That's the only one kind of good espresso. That's right. I don't, you know what I mean? Because we're all pigeonholed in making this best one kind of style one espresso kind of espresso for competition. And it's kind of showing like what you could do. And maybe, you know, there's good and bad examples of all things. And maybe sometimes people nail it and maybe sometimes people don't. Right. But just like, I don't know. Coffee's like this world that can be explored. And it, I hate when it gets so like monochromatic. It's just like, this is one thing. That's Dude, happening. that'd be so, I like all these ideas. And I mean, specifically just from an entertainment standpoint, right? I mean, and it would get the blood pumping just a little bit more as if Breeze Competition didn't already. I mean, it's nerve wracking as all hell, but to go head to head against somebody, it'd be really fun. It's nerve wracking for you when you're doing it and it's nerve wracking for your friends when they're watching you, but it's not really like a high stakes game for anybody no. else. No, there's no such thing as a buzzer like, I'm beater. never watching someone that I don't really know or feel connected to it. I'm like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh. Right. It's like, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. Whereas 
the the chefy stuff I get like a little more amp and I'm not even a foodie guy you no. know what I mean but it's just so cool yeah to see someone controlling the situation like that see the freaking technique yeah just like anything dude manipulating fire bro <sighs> let's manipulate some fuego let's manipulate the let's fire. roast on stage dude like Scott Lucy did back in the day oh shout out to the loose man shoot it dude keeping it loose fast and loose there's chaff everywhere signature drinks suck Ethiopian Thousand coffee ceremony. <laughs> represent renew technical scoring and make it matter i'm reading the pete thing Man, yeah he wrote a lot yeah he went, he did crazy pete why do you write so much you know i can barely read i never learned to read gosh my right ball hurts because you know why i got stabbed with a thing and then burned on the inside i'll be fine i wonder what kind of competition you all want to see yeah you guys should write in info at and tell us what what are the f- actually do this write in info at cat and cloud and just tell us what your favorite part about competition is and then also tell us if that's actually the most entertaining part for you you know like you could like something because you're passionate about something but what's the most entertaining thing to watch and if i, I don't know i don't even because i feel like if i'd write in i'd be like what is the most entertaining part because I don't get to taste any of the coffee, and I'm obsessed with taste. I get honestly the most entertaining thing is the concoction of the signature beverage, and like what because I can imagine what that tastes like when they talk about it. Because I don't believe two thirds of the time the descriptions of the I mean I I get the idea, but like the description of the espresso is I don't know, unless you're calibrated with the person tasting it. A lot of the times you're like I could kind of see that, but you know what I'm saying? I don't know. I have a harder time picturing that, but I can picture ingredients that I've tasted before, I guess is why a signature drink is more interesting to me. It's also something that's different, even though that, you know, these espressos are different coffees, maybe that you've never had. It's hard to kind of picture what that might be like. Yeah. Or what that drinking experience might be like. Okay, cool. It's espresso that tastes like cherry. Right. It goes back to the, to the chefy thing. Whereas if somebody prepare like kind of, like taste it in layers yep. and like feel like how it might like there's whimsy to it yeah there's a whole thing whimsy whimsical i love whimsy well and it's nice because like you know how espresso extraction works yeah it's, it's not like thing. anybody's doing anything new to where like yeah i like fucking broke ground of espresso extract like 48 second melters on the stage you know what i'm saying just totally. pull it short and nasty dude man just like just in two fucking th- pull it short and nasty like in 2008 when i was shoving so much of the banquet in that espresso freaking settle, port settle. filter settle settle i had settle, to settle. hold the side <laughs> of the espresso machine to lock in the port filter because i was putting like 24 grams in there that's how you fucking roll dude yeah dude and then i was you pouring really a nice 18 gram out slamorama dude yeah dude thick chocolate rintong <laughs> <laughs> we had an aged Sumatran coffee called Lintong. Dude, that was just next, next. I don't think we really knew what was going on at that point. I don't think anybody did. <laughs> no. No one, people were pretending. There were some people that were like, that was way deep. That was like the beginning, beginning, beginning. That was the beginning of the Mojiana. It was Mojiana. What's this? Screen dried yellow bourbon? I'll tell you what, it tastes fantastic to me. I'll have a dopio. Would you like a dopio? You're like not allowed dopio. in competition. You're going to have a solo. Solo. And a solo Demi Capoo. Solo Demi Capoo. <laughs> Thanks, Notting Hill. Oh, gosh. Thanks, guy. Grant Hill. What's his name? Uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Very handsome. I think my painkiller kicked in. How about this? Write us in and tell us a change that you would make in the Barista Competition format. The answer that we like the best, we're going to send you a mug. That's a good idea. Enjoy your free mug. Enjoy your smart free mug, person out whoever there. you are. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a killer idea. That's a killer idea, right? Oh, wow. We just cranked that thing. Soldier Boy? Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy up and me roll. Why me crank it? Why me roll? I can't cry and crank any Robocops. <laughs> there will be no Robocops to crank for this guy, dude. Dude, super soaking. I'm, I'm 10 days of sitting and relaxing. Jared's like, you've heard of Tinder? Jared's tender. <laughs> He's swiping left. I'm not swiping. He's, I'm not swiping at all. He's not swiping for a at long all. Time. He's, I'm not swiping anything. That's me having a carrot. There will What's be up, Doc? There will be no. <laughs> Man, I think this is the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. You heard it here first. You'll hear it again next week. 
See you later. Bye. Crunch that carrot. <laughs>